All the time? Yes, he is. Let's bow our heads in prayer and thank him for his goodness and the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this day. For you, Jesus, first, none greater. Thank you for the beautiful brush that you stroked the canvas of the earth with because you see the big picture because you're a big God, loving and merciful. You see the full canvas. As William said, yes, you created all. And I want to talk about that today, Lord, and give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you deserve of all the goodness of you for every breath we have, every heartbeat we have within us, and the spirit of you, Lord Jesus, that you bless us with for those who seek you and want a relationship with you. So as we go into your word this morning, Father, I pray that you'll touch hearts, that we will be still, focusing on you, you alone, none other, that our concentration is on the word of you and the goodness of you and all the things that you have done, are doing, and will do to the praise of you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Cody said last week that uh, he didn't have a joke, so he said he would give us one this week. The joke's on us. The joke is on us. <laughs> oh, goodness, yes. William touched on a few things uh, of the sermon today. I was amazed at how the Spirit works. As this week in some of my devotionals, I saw the very thing where he took me this week to bring. And that's always confirmation for me that he says, this is what you need to talk about. And how easy it is to talk about how good God is. And as I read you from the scriptures this morning, not David's word, but the word of God, I want you to listen to the words that he says of how he sees things and how things are from him, that everything God does is good, very good, very good. And everything is good. Welcome. Welcome to the word of God. And here's what he says. Get my bifocus set up here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good. What did God say? He said it was good, did he not? It was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. You ever thought about that? As God said it, that the boundaries of the seas and the oceans only go so far? Think about the word and power of God. He says, this is where you go and this is where you stay. Think about it. As all the rivers run back into the oceans, wouldn't you think it would spread out? 
Thank you for the power of God. He said, this is the way that it was going to be. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I can't stress this enough. It's where we are today is God is good in the goodness of him. Listen to what he does for us and has done. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seeds in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I want you to think about these words. If You might have read them before many times, but he says, each thing will develop from its own kind, and it will make its own kind. True? God said it. Now I want to ask you, how do you get a monkey to a man? It don't work. As much as, as man tries to tell us that we came from an ape, that's not what God says. God says each one, each thing will make up its kind, its own kind. Some of us might act like monkeys, but that is not where we came from because it came from God. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the earth that yields the seed. And he said, it was good enough. He said, it would produce in itself the next thing to come along, as he does for each of us. So when you hear a man talking about evolution, talking about we found a skull. I seen something the other day. I got a little clip on it. He said, look, we found where man came from. So have I, right here in this book. But not from the skull that they were showing me of a monkey. That's not where we came from. We came from God. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth and rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was everything God does is good, the goodness of God. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let Birds fly above the earth across the face of the permanent of the heavens. I want to stop there for a moment. I was visiting a patient in the hospital, and the doctor came in and was talking to the patient, and he was telling the patient, this is what's going to happen, and this is what needs to happen, but whatever happens first, this is what we're going to do. He said it was kind of like the chicken and the egg. He said, whichever one come first, that's what we're going to do. I said, excuse me, doc. I said, the word of God says the bird came flesh because it flew over the ocean. I said, I've never seen an egg fly. So if you want to have somebody quote that to you, say, what came first? There's your scripture right there. Let the waters abound in abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. There's your answer. So God created a great sea, great sea creatures, every living thing that moves, which 
in which the waters abound according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was again. Do you hear the words he's saying? Every winged bird according to its kind. Everything to its kind. Can't stress it enough. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, and cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Again, do you hear how many times God said according to its kind? Remember that. Remember that. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. How many times have you ever heard that, that we were made in God's image? Hmm? Yes. And I think about what he says, male and female, in God's image. The male and female part is agenda. In God's image, God was saying of him, in his image, was that he was sinless and good. Think about that. That's the image of God. That's what he originally made us as. Sinless and good. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. We had dominion over everything. What more could you ask for? We had everything, didn't we? We were sinless. We were good. I use a term there too. It says, were. Yeah, we were. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seeds, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God said, that everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. See, hey, transposing said, everything I have done to this part, he said, I have seen that it is very good. Very good. In Genesis 2, 15, all the things that God did and all that he put his dominion over, we, we see something occur. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 
of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Have you ever thought about that tree that was in that garden? But there was another tree in there. God never said never take of that one. He only gave Adam a command not to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there was another most important tree that stood in there also. It's called tree of life. You ever notice how man, when we are told, a woman, you can't have that or shouldn't have it? What is that desire? to have that particular thing. We know that what transpired, and we know that uh, Adam and Eve together understood that they were not to touch it, or take of it, or use of that tree of any sort. But there, there was another particular character in this garden also. He asked one of the questions that's been asked us of us, even as of today and until Christ comes again. One simple question that he asked of Eve. Did God really say? That was all it took. That doubt. Did God really say? How many times in your mind have you ever heard let Satan in to have that word said to you? Do you think God really meant that? Do you think God really said? I know one thing. I know what that question cost us, and I know what happened after that question. I know what transpired. When she took of that particular knowledge of that tree, as William talked about, that they hid themselves, sowed fig leaves on, gathered them up, hide behind the, the fruit, the leaves of the trees. But God said, no. William alluded to it, the fact that God done what? He clothed them with what? Animal skin. First sacrifice. Bloodshed. Bloodshed. First sacrifice for our sins made, he took an animal to cover them with. And they hid. Hid in the garden. As if you can hide from God. But he did ask the question, where are you? Did he not? He said, I heard you coming, and I hid because I was naked. He said, who told you? Who told you was naked? Hmm. And he said, who told you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then the man said, And said, the woman who you gave me, he gave me of the tree to eat. She did it. The woman did it to me. And God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent did it. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and all you shall eat dust 
all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and before your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise your heel. What promise did God make us? Even after we messed up, even as we disobeyed God, he said, I'm going to give you a way back. I've always wanted you and I created you to be sinless and I created you to be good because I am good. Here it is. He said, I'm going to send my son. One of these days, he's coming. Because I want that relationship back where it was. Have you ever thought about it truly with walking in the cool of the garden of God or what it might have been like? Never wanting for anything, always having it, what God wanted us to have, what was best for us. And he told us, don't take from the tree. Only gave us one command in the garden, and guess what we couldn't do? We couldn't honor that, could we? We couldn't honor that. As life went on after leaving and exiting the garden, I think about what transpired all the way up to chapter 6. And this part of it, every time I read it, it really grieves my heart to where we had fallen from and where we are fallen to and where this world is today. It's what he says in Genesis 6, 1 through 8. Now it came to pass when when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, and yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. Also afterward, when the sons of God came into the, to the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old. Men of renown. Then God, the Lord, saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy a man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made him. Does that grieve you? Does that grieve you to think to where we had fallen to, that God said it grieved his heart, and he was sorry that he ever made us? We know that everything God did, we read it. I read it to you. He said everything he did, he saw that it was good. But he looked down on the earth upon this time and said, look, it has gotten so bad that it's time for me to do something about it. Do you think how easy it would have been when Adam and Eve, Adam being disobedient, Eve being deceived, that he could have said, wait a minute, ain't but two, I can start over. But he didn't, did he? The goodness of God said, I love you. I'm going to make this work. I have a plan. I'm going to make this work. 
But now we see that God has said in his own words, in his own heart, he said, I'm sorry I ever made man. And that next verse, at verse 8, as I studied it this week and thought about it, it said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you understand how many people was on the earth at that time? We don't have a number, but we know it was many. And who found favor? One man. One man named Noah found favor in the eyes of God so he would give him something to do. He gave Noah the directions to build an ark. And for 120 years, give or take, Noah preached and taught God the whole time he was building an ark in a place that was never a drop of rain. I think about how many times maybe they went by doing the same thing they'd done to Jesus on the cross. My goodness. But he had an opportunity to tell them for 120 years what he's been telling us ever since we got kicked out of the garden, that what? He was coming. He said his son was coming. He said, I'm going to make a way back for you. He's been telling us too the same thing. How many of us has done this? Oh my. How many? But we know that the time when the flood come, the door stayed open, everything was as God had designed it and put on the boat, on the ark, and the door stayed open, opportunity for them to come on, and guess what they didn't do? They didn't come on. God himself shut the door to the ark. The goodness of God. Eight souls was on there out of everybody on the earth. Only eight souls. And God closed that door. He shut it. God gives us the opportunity. I want you to think about that. One day the door was shut to this world. Think about that one. And God, you heard God say, my spirit will not reside with man forever. Where are you in your relationship with him? What are you doing? Where are you? Are you shaking your head also? I think about the promises that he made all the way down to Malachi we see in the Old Testament. And then there was a gap, the quietness of God in there. One of my guys I have lessons with on Friday, he, Malachi, he calls it Malachi, the Italian prophet. But I think Abraham had got quiet. We have a gap of 400 years or so in there not that God wasn't working. Not that God wasn't doing. He does it every day. But the word of God is not established anywhere else until we hear about the coming of who? Jesus. Exactly. That lull of in there between, that gap as we think about in between tombstones of the name of this date you was born and this day you died. And we got that little dash in between now. We don't know what was going on. Neither did the Bible tells us what happened in those 400 years. But we know that the promise that he made in Genesis 3.15 that his son was coming. And yes, Satan, you would bruise his heel, but he would crush your head. And we know the life of Jesus and the love of his father that he said this. The goodness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son Jesus Christ into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
And I want you to think about a little word in there that says might. You know why it says might? Because until we know the goodness of God and the goodness of his son Jesus Christ and why he came, that might remains. For anyone who believes and has accepted Jesus as your Savior, believe that he is the Christ, the son of the one true God, and has fallen him as his Savior, and accept him as your Lord, then that might disappears. It becomes whosoever believes. That's the stipulation. But I want you to think about that little word might if you ain't give your life to him. And I want you to think about the ark as it sat there, and the floods came, and God was waiting for him to get aboard, and he shut the door when he knew it was time. That time will come now. One day, we might not get out of here. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you still have that might, that might in your life? Do you? I want to take us to a place in, in Matthew here. Thinking about the goodness of God. What was what said to him? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. Listen to these words. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good thing? What, how much can I give? How much can I build? Where can I go to help you, Lord? What is it I can do about to, for you, Lord, for eternal life? Me. What is it I can do? So he, Jesus, said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into to a life eternal, keep the commandments. Did you hear what Jesus told him? He said, upon this whole earth, no one is good but who? God. We look back in Genesis and everything God did, he said, I saw it was good. After the second chapter in the fall of man, did you ever hear God say again that it was good? Even when his son came, he used a phrase, he said, this is my son who I am well pleased Jesus said these words, there's no one good but God. And it went over top this young man's head like a rocket. Jesus never denied his deity because he was who? He was Jesus. He was God. No one except God, he said, is good. Nobody. And you want to hear the term as we said earlier? God is good. All the time and all the time God is good. I want you to think about that goodness of God. I want you to think about what took place and the promise that he made in Genesis 3.15 to the day that Christ came and to the day that Christ went upon that cross for us that he may seem sinless and that we may seem righteous. There's a word I use there, seem. Because unless you believe in him and you've given your life to him, that little word might sticks in there that it might be saved. Romans 3.23 says, We have all sinned and done what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, as Jesus said, no one on this earth 
No one is good but him. We've all sinned and fallen short. Born of a sin nature. I think about a young man, a gentleman I was visiting, and had a little two-and-a-half, three-year-old child there. And he had told the child with cookies sitting in the middle of the table, he said, don't touch them, don't bother them. So we went out to the room and came back, and guess what? Little kid was sitting there eating a cookie. We both looked at it. He said, where'd you get it? I found it. Really? You know what he asked me? He said, who taught him to tell that lie? Guess what we was born with? Sin nature. Yeah, I found it. The little dude that pulled the chair away from the table, got up and got him a cookie, put the top back on it, pushed the chair up on it, and everything was dusted off. You'd never been there except the evidence in his hand. I found it. Romans 6.23 says this. The wage of sin is death. I'll stop that for a second. The wage of sin is death. Guess what? We earned it. What is a wage? A wage is something you do what? You earn. The wage of sin is death. We've earned it. But he says, guess what? The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of what we have earned Jesus said on the cross, he said, it's finished, Father. I have paid for it. So when he looks at us, for those who believe in, in Jesus Christ, he's looking through the lens of his son's eyes, and he doesn't see the sinful nature and the sins of us. He sees that we are sinless and that we are good. But only if you believe and trust in him. Only if you believe and trust who, in who God is. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you, the goodness of God. Yeah, we sinned. We messed up. But he said, look, if you believe in my son and accept him as your savior, no matter who is against you, what the world tells you, he said, I am for you. Who can be against you? The payment was made on that cross by Jesus. Buried, resurrected, three days. Boy, I can only imagine Satan marching around. If anybody ever watched The Passion of Christ and Mel Gibson, Satan marching around that cross saying, that boy, gotcha, gotcha. But no, he didn't know the half of it, did he? That Jesus rose from the grave, and guess what victory came through Christ? That sting of death was removed. And old grave, where is your victory? There is none. Jesus. Jesus the Christ is the one that saved us. In the book of Revelations chapter 1 7 and 8 we read these words. Behold he said pay attention focus. Listen to what I have to tell you. He is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I ask you today, are you ready for that coming? Have you cleared the way? Have you removed the obstacles out of your way? 
I always think about the kings of the Old Testament. They would send messengers, people ahead of them, to clear the way, to make it so it would be a smooth path, as John the Baptist did for Jesus. Jesus said, I have come, I have died, I have prepared a place and a way for you. Your path is clear. What is your excuse? Romans 1.20 says, we are without excuse. I, I ask you today, what's keeping you to be coming to him to say, I accept you as the king. I accept you as Lord and Savior. What is stopping us from doing that? Ancient old question. Did God really say? Did God really say? Yes, he did. God did say. If you take of this, you will surely die. And he's saying to us too, if you don't take of the blood of my son and the sacrifice that he made, you will surely die. He ain't talking about physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death. And I'll tell you, let you know today that we all have eternal life. It just depends on where you want to spend it. Do you want to spend it with him? Or do you want to spend it in hell? Heating or air conditioning, your choice. Smoking or non-smoking, that's your choice. But he came and died for that very reason. I am, he said. Moses asked him the same question. Who do I tell and sent me? Jesus said, I am. And you figure we went from the front to the back now to Revelations of all the promises that God has made. You want to see the goodness and the character of God? Everything you see in the character of God is good. Jesus came for that very purpose. He came and died that he could wash away through his blood our sins for those who believe that God may see that we are sinless and that we are good. That one day we'll hear the words of him say for those who believe, well done my true and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Paul said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul knew that while he was here he was to do the work of Christ. That was his goal, that was his heart, that was his soul. He said, but I know the very minute that this last natural breath I take upon this earth, he said, I'll be present with the Lord. He said, I know it. To die is gain. You only get that understanding if you believe and know that Jesus is the Christ. I want to read you out of Revelations 21, 1 through 8. Listen to the words. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself, will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Bless you. And he said to me, It is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all these things, and I will be his God and shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idols, and all lies shall have their parts in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I ask you today, which one do you choose? Do you like heat that well? In all my belief, there's nothing worse than being separated from God for eternity. That's hell in itself. Have you ever thought about that? All that we see in this world today is being held together by the Spirit of God. Holding it together right now. But one day he said, it will not always strive with you. One day he will pull that back. One day we'll all be raptured for those who believe, whether one at a time or all together. That day will come. Peter said, and there will be a great noise. And the fragment of the heat will melt the earth away, heaven and earth. But the promise of God, the goodness of God says, I will give you this water freely. I have made that payment for you. Are you still listening to the question? Did God really say? Well, I've read you the word of God today. Yes, he did. God did say. He said, come. Come all who want. Whosoever. When he said whosoever in John 3, 16, that was a general calling for anyone and everyone. Whosoever believes, he said, shall not perish. Are you sitting here today and haven't given your life to him? Today's the day. Right now is the time. We don't have a clue when he's coming. Thank goodness. Because we all wait to the last minute trying to get ourselves in order. But he says you must be prepared. And that's what Jesus told us. I go now to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back one day and receive you unto myself. Where I am there, you will be also. You know the way and you know the place. Brother Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we certainly don't know the way. Jesus said these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way unto the Father except through me. What are you waiting on if you haven't done it? And if you have, I ask you, matter of fact, I challenge you today to go out in a characteristic of God to tell the world who Jesus Christ is. That is our obligation to him. That we plant seeds in water to be the light and salt. That he may give that water freely for the payment made. I challenge you to do that today. Bow your heads. Let's pray to the Lord God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that promise, Lord, that you always have wanted a relationship with us, that you made us in your image to be sinless and to be good. And yes, Lord, we, we did mess up. But you made that way. You said, I'm sending my son, and you did. You sent your son, Jesus. He came, and he died on that cross, and he said these words, it is finished. It's left to us, Father. 
I pray that the hearts in this room, that you will prick those hearts and remind us, Lord, of what we've read today as a lesson to us to how good you are and the goodness of you, that we will take these words of yours out and let them know the history of you, but also let them know the present and the future of you that you tell us. I am coming. Yes, Lord. Let us be obedient to the word of you that we gird and tell the world the good news. Jesus, you live, and you're coming. You came humbly the first time, Lord, but this time you're coming with justice and wrath. You come as king that you are and Lord. So, Lord, I lift it up to you, and thank you for these words you've given us and the ability to understand it through the spirit that you bless us with. As you told us, you would give us that spirit. It would open up our understanding to all things, even things to come. And the things to come I have read of your word in Revelation, they are coming. So, Lord, I ask for the grace and mercy of you to be poured upon this congregation, and if there's any in here today that haven't given their life to you, I pray right now, Lord, that that spirit's moving. And, Lord, I thank you for every breath we have and every heartbeat of you. That's another breath that we have to confess and believe and tell somebody that you are Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. In the name of Jesus, I praise you. Please stand. <clears throat> As you heard me challenge you, if you haven't given your life to him, now's the time. You can do it in your seat, you can do it standing, or you come up here. If you have something on your heart, you can come up here and somebody will pray with you and for you. But I ask you to examine yourself to remove that little word, might. Today, let it be so. Let it be so today that you give your life to Christ. And I can promise you from somebody I can tell you well known of myself, I didn't know peace or joy until I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I can close my eyes at night knowing that I'm going to wake up somewhere and that's going to be with him or he on earth when he's got something still for me to do. But I know the next breath, whether it's here or with him, I will have because of him. Can you say that when you close your eyes tonight? Removing that word, might. Please, if you haven't, if you know somebody that hasn't, take these words, take God's word to them and say, look, we have the promise. Jesus said, I give it to you freely. Tell them who he is, that they too may have the joy and peace that only he gives. I challenge you.